Climate extremes are challenging agriculture, but they're also creating opportunities. And lingering issues from 2020 keep pressuring farmers to pivot. Welcome to Around Farm Progress, a weekly podcast that looks at agriculture issues across the country. I'm Willie Vogt, your host and editorial director for Farm Progress. This week we're headed out west, where weather extremes became part of the nightly news, shown in forest fires, hot temperatures, and damage from high winds. But we still have to farm. Todd Fichet, Western Farm Press, covers the region, and in 2020 he did a story on a crop you don't hear much about, coffee. It's an interesting plant, and the farmer he interviewed shared a secret on where coffee can grow best. Then we talk with Todd's colleague, Tim Heerden, who looks back on 2020 a bit, and only because two key issues are lingering into 2021, the response to COVID-19 and drought in the West. Farmers are pivoting with new crops and approaches, but also trying to work through challenging new rules and regulations. Meanwhile, dry weather brings along plenty of new issues. First, let's check in with Todd Fichet. Well, Todd, uh, welcome to Around Farm Progress. Oh, thank you for having me, Willie. Well, good. I'm looking forward to talk to you. I believe this may be your first time on the show. Is that true? No, we we spoke a while back, but don't ask me to uh, recall what that was about. This is our 45th episode, so it, I kind of lose track, too. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah we're, talking, we're talking about something kind of funny here. Um, I I mean, I'm familiar with this crop in the United States, but not on the mainland. Um, but you've been talking about coffee beans, or you did a story earlier earlier in 2020 about coffee beans. Where did you find them? Uh, in California, basically Southern California, um, the Santa Barbara area, uh, they're growing them on the side of a hill, um, literally within eyesight of the uh, Pacific Ocean. But and that's just what where this guy's growing them. Uh, there's some coffee, I understand, uh, a bit closer to San Diego as well. So in that zone from Santa Barbara to San Diego. Well, I think of Santa Barbara, I think of the ocean, and I think of wine. Coffee's an interesting crop. Why Why are these guys bringing coffee over? It's um, it's money. Um, they can uh, if if you can grow a premium coffee bean and market it correctly, and then sell it for an appropriate price, um, it's quite profitable. Well, I suppose too, if you there's a domestic story, and there's yeah. also a uh, know the grower kind of story. So there's a lot of things playing playing here, right? Uh, yeah, that's that's pretty much it as I understand it. Um, you've got the the local foodie um, mm-hmm. thing going on in California, and and like you just said, the uh, kind of know your grower, and uh, and so this this guy Jay Rusky um, has a, a company called Goodland Organics, and uh, within that is his coffee uh, enterprise called Fringe. And he spells it a little bit differently, just to be a little bit different, but um, spells it spells the word with a J at the end of it. But he's growing uh, premium coffee beans uh, on the hillside um, in and amongst some avocados and some uh, finger limes, um, literally within a mile of the Pacific Ocean. Cool. And um, it's... It's quite scenic, and uh, but he's he's been doing this for about 30 years, or at least yeah. the farming end of it, and um, he's he's making a go of it. So when did he bring coffee into the business? Has it been that long? Oh, I don't I don't think he's been doing the coffee quite the 30 years, or at okay. least the um, 
you know, at least under this name, um, he's he's been doing breeding trials. And so he's been trying different things. And as I understand it, he met a, um, a researcher with the University of California years ago and a conversation started. Yeah, well, yeah, maybe we could maybe we could do this because of the climate. Oh, that's interesting because I don't. We usually think of Colombia and places like that. Obviously, yeah. Hawaii has become a hot spot for uh, coffee. Obviously, for a long time, Kona coffee's been an issue. But when last time I was in Hawaii, there were I saw a lot more coffee trees than I remember seeing there, and I had just been there three years before, so it's coming on pretty quickly. So would this be this coffee on the near Santa Barbara that the fringe coffee is it mm-hmm. shade? Shade grown? Is it growing underneath the avocado and the lime trees, or is it in its own areas? No, it's it's. Uh, I initially thought it was. You know, you had your rows of avocados, and then in between your rows, you had your coffee. Um, that's not really the case. It's uh, because it's on a hillside. Um, you're you're not in the kind of the pretty rows, I'll call it, of uh, of trees, and so you have. They're just they're growing in different plots. That's um, cool different areas but they're growing out in the open um it was quite warm the day i was there it was in the mid 90s um which is a little bit rare for uh, the central coast but maybe not um maybe not as rare as it used to be um and so the the main thing with the coffee that i found interesting was he said if you can grow avocados well in an area you can do the coffee well because there's there's two things that those trees both of them don't like uh, they don't like the wind and they don't like frost and so if you can find a wind protected area that um, does not um, get frost then you can do well with the uh, with both of those crops hmm. I never thought of that that's interesting um, so did you get a chance to watch the whole process from coffee cherry all the way to coffee roasted coffee bean or is he doing that all there uh he's he's doing that there um they had uh, they had picked some beans um earlier and then they were going to pick some later so i was kind of in between right um i i did see some of his uh i'll call them experimental trees um that he's been using for breeding stock and and those had the cherries on them um, and, and they call them cherries because it, they kind of look like a cherry, about the same yep. color, but just um, they're smaller. And um, it's it's a matter of producing a, a bean that, um, you know, that, that'll that'll make a nice uh, cup of coffee. Yeah, but I tell you what, if you saw that coffee cherry the first time, that that bean is worthless in that cherry. It it def- definitely needs to be roasted. I mean, it's in that mucilaginous yeah. Yeah. stuff. Yeah. They need to be dried, and then they need yeah. to be. I know a little more about this than I probably should because I did a coffee tree tour myself one time. But it's a it's a fascinating business. You mentioned that it's warmer, rare, rare, a rare warm day in Central California. But are you seeing more of those? You had a hot yeah, summer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They had record heat in the area. Um, literally 120 degrees just down the road. Um, and that's that's unheard of. Yeah. That is just absolutely unheard of. But you have with climate change in California, mm-hmm. more wind events, and so you hear about these. Uh, and, and then of course you hear them in the context of the the, the big fires, those conflagrations that just move through cities and, and destroy everything in their path. Right. Um, so you, you have more of these wind events 
and and those aren't good for a lot of crops um, because they're extremely dry, and so they just they just suck any moisture out of the plant uh, that might be available, and and then you've got to turn the irrigation on and just leave it on um, if you have the water. Um, but the uh, but where he's at is. Um, you know, if he can again, if he can get these trees out of the, right. the general wind, and uh, and then protect them from from frost, because when you get into a wind protected area, you you tend to have a frost. Mm-hmm. Um, so there there's a little bit of planning that goes that goes into this. Um, you don't just you don't just plop the trees in the ground and, and hope for the best. Uh, there's there's That's more not to true it than that. That's not true with any crop, Todd. You don't just plop yeah. it down and hope it oh, goes. No. But I mean, he's got that all those years of experience with avocados, so he knows the area where he yeah, can and raise the these coffee cherries. And, yeah. and he's yeah. the, the finger limes are these little are these little tasty um, bits of fruit that um, those are you know those are quite sensitive to cold as well. Yeah, any citrus usually is, so that's yeah. crazy. So, you know, we talk about the heat and the wind. I mean, is that starting to get guys to think about how they what they grow? Is that starting to change some stuff? It 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 can and it, and it probably should. Um, but there's, you know, there's really little that they can they can do unless you uh, plant some windbreaks. And yeah. there's there's vegetation and and you know, physical barriers that can that can come into play with that. Um, but these these wind events are, are a relatively new thing just within the past yep. several years that they've become quite um, quite dangerous, really. Yeah. And I, I mean, we used to talk about the Santa Ana winds around L.A. and stuff. And yeah. Standard. But these I've noticed that there's been a lot more and they've been a lot higher winds too, 50, 60, 80 miles an hour. And so they cause other kinds of damage from fruit drop. You mentioned the comment uh, that they would then have to irrigate more. But if they have the water and isn't that becoming a bigger issue, too? I mean, you're in a drought. You're still in a drought. Oh, yeah. And and um, and, and they're pumping the water. Um, mm-hmm. They don't have the access to ditch water, we call it, it like right. some of the other areas of the state. And um, we didn't get too much into the conversation of, of water availability, but um, but yeah, I mean sure. I know I know avocado growers that are that are irrigating right now because they've had no rain. Yeah, it, the whole Southwest or the yeah. West is the worst color of brown on the U.S. drought monitor. And, yeah, uh, yeah, and it's and it's in in those areas are you know those areas on the drought monitor are getting larger. Yeah. So talking coffee, anything? Were you, did you have a sample? Do you, you like coffee? Yeah, I, I'm not a I'm not a big coffee drinker, so it's, it's <laughs> kind of difficult when you interview somebody like that. And and, uh, and but you're polite and, and you try it, and um, it it wasn't bitter. I you know oh, I don't cool. like coffee because I just don't like the bitter flavor personally. Right. Um, but it was it tasted more like tea. It, it, it kind of had that that consistency and and um, he's very uh, I watched him make the coffee um, you know pours the grounds in the in the container and he was doing this on a scale with um, with a beaker with with lines on it and so it almost looked like a science experiment I'm bad. and uh, but you know in, in his mind he has this okay I'm gonna pour this much water and this is how I'm gonna do it and I'm going to do it every time that way. And and that, you know, that gets your consistency. And um, but, you know, it yeah, it was it was more like tea than um, 
you know, than maybe what some people might be used to. That is interesting. And my, that, you know, carbon market go forward. Yeah. That's how that works. So yeah. that's cool. I mean, one of the things you get to do at Western farm press that is very fun is, um, agriculture is pretty diverse out where you are. And so oh, yeah. you get to see a lot of crazy stuff. And of course you're based in Arizona and there's a lot going on where you are as well, uh, in the Yuma area, I think. Um, and so um, I'm sure you're enjoying that. Anything more fun since you moved to Arizona? Is there anything you picked up on there that you might want to share? The uh, just watching produce season change from the Salinas Valley in California mm-hmm. down here. That that happens right after Labor Day weekend. And um, they'll start with some um, some transplant um, melons and then go real quickly into lettuce. And huh. each of each of those crops are about a 60 day crop. So those crops are already harvested and gone. Um, and, and so the second crop of that produce is is in the ground. And um, it, it's just fascinating to watch the speed and then to watch the desert turn green. You just you yeah. it's carpeted in green out there. And uh, it's it's fascinating because Labor Day weekend, it was 124 degrees out here. Um, so. <laughs> You know, they're they're the first day they planted lettuce was actually the first day that we had um, sub 100 degrees since I don't know April May somewhere yeah. around there. Yeah. And uh, but it's it and it goes fast. They're, they're just the the lettuce and it, it seems like they're doing a little bit better um, at this stage of the COVID game too. Mm-hmm. Last last year they had to uh, they lost crops. Um, They lost millions of dollars in crops because they just didn't have the markets and had to plow it under. Um, But um, right now they're, I don't know what, you know, the prices change so quickly around here. Right. Um, It's it's hard to hard to tell from day to day almost. Well, melons do like hot weather, so it's probably why they well down there. Yeah. And they'll do and they'll do some spring melons. They'll come back with with some of those here um, in really in a few weeks. Um, cool. They'll start planting those and uh, and then hit those hit those markets. They're kind of hitting the shoulder, trying to hit the shoulders of markets with yeah. the, particularly with the melons is uh, makes, what one grower told me. That makes sense. Of course, the, the beauty of this is farmers listening to this are from all over the country, but that's the best part. When you yeah. travel as a farmer or someone who knows anything about crops, it's fun to drive and see what's different from where you are. So a guy in Yuma oh, yeah. sees what you're seeing all the time and he heads to, heads to Nebraska and he's like, whoa, what's all this what's all this corn? <laughs> so it's it's a it's a neat part of American yeah, agriculture that the farmers like to hear about. That's why we like to share these stories out west. Well, Todd Fichette, it's been good to talk to you today on Around Farm Progress. And thanks for sharing the story of your uh, coffee experience. But thanks for yeah. your time, sir. Thank you very much. I want to thank Todd for his insights. Coffee is a fascinating crop, even if you're not a coffee drinker. But there are some big picture items facing Western agriculture. And we discuss those with Tim Hearden, who gives us an update. Let's listen to what he has to say about those hot topics. Well, Tim, uh, welcome to Around Farm Progress. Well, thank you, Willie, and thank you for this opportunity. And I'd just like to say hello to everybody out there around the country and and around the West this, uh, this week. That's great. You know, we're kind of looking back and looking forward, I think, with you today. I mean, I had a good conversation just moments ago with uh, Todd about some of the things he found in 2020. We even talked a little bit about coffee, which is interesting. But you've got a you've got a little different hook for me I wanted to talk about. And that's uh, 
drought and more. You want to share with that a little bit? Yeah, you know, there are several, you know, on New Year's Eve, we all kind of made a point of saying goodbye to 2020. You know, even as we knew that the problems that arose in 2020 remain. And if you look at the events of the last couple of weeks, it seems like 2021 said to 2020, hold my beer. (laughs) Um, There's there's two main issues in the West that arose in 2020 that will hopefully be largely resolved this year. And that's the the fallout from the COVID-19 pandemic and the vaccines going out and the drought that's developing all around the West. First of all, with the with the vaccine, there's been a lot of uh, discussion of of economic loss. California Farm Bureau in last June estimated there'd be between five point nine billion dollars and eight point five six billion dollars in losses in 2020 just from uh inability to get crops to markets that have been closed off uh, texas a m said nationwide it could be 2.5 trillion dollars uh by the by you know the end of i believe september 2021 so um as Todd reported recently, one of the nation's largest marketers of f- fresh lettuce lost several hundred million dollars because of restaurant and school closures. Uh, what's happening now is growers in many states are grappling with ramped up state safety regulations. In California, some farm groups are suing against emergency standards that added a lot of new obligations and liabilities to for employers. Uh, saying that Kalosha board doesn't have the authority. Hmm. Interesting. I think that that's part of this. We're still, you know, when you started this in March last year, there was a lot of talk about you could get COVID by touching your food and mm-hmm. all that kind of stuff. We were, we've learned that that's less likely. Um, how do we move forward from all this? What, what do you see going forward? Well, there's some good news around vaccines. Um, good. In California, at least farm workers just got put into priority 1B, which is right behind healthcare workers and people in nursing homes who are getting it now. Governor Newsom says it'll it'll happen soon. And of course, we've heard President-elect Biden say that he wants to ramp up distribution once he takes office. It's 100 million doses in 100 days. We'll see what happens. It's a yes. big promise. The other side of it is a, a good... Uh, ramp up would be good. I think today there was a, some notice, some congressional letters that went to uh, went into Congress. Uh, different Congress people have lined up on both sides of the aisle to get this figured out for yeah. essential workers, which is food workers and, mm-hmm. and that type of thing. So that's a pretty big deal. Um, you know, we can't talk about California without talking about drought. And then, of course, the awful video that all the rest of us saw east of you Right. Um, from the fall with the fires, where are we with the drought situation and how is that going to be impacting 2021? Well, it's much larger than California, as you know. It's, yep. you know, most of the West, according to the U.S. Drought Monitor right now, most of the West is in some level of drought. It's actually worse in Utah and Arizona. Um, and the seasonal drought outlook through the end of March says that's not going to change. There's a giant swath of brown. You look at the map. There's a giant swath of brown everywhere but the Pacific Northwest, with brown being that drought persists. Pacific Northwest is expected to get above above average rainfall this winter. Everybody else, not so much. 
And then where that leads to, obviously, is, as you mentioned, are the wildfires. Um, and as you know, the West suffered one of the worst wildfire seasons in its history in 2020. Uh, more than 100 fires in August and September burned more than 8 million acres, destroyed 13, over 13,000 billions in buildings, and killed 46 people, including 32 in California, uh, according to, to authorities. Um, California, we saw that go through the heart of Northern California's wine country. Uh, it damaged or destroyed nearly 30 wineries, affected as many as 80% of Napa Valley vineyards, causes industry, caused industry losses. One published estimate was 500 million, close to 500 million. Um, in Sonoma County in particular, uh, grape growers said their unpicked grapes would total about 50,000 tons uh, because of the, the fires and, and other marketplace dynamics. A lot of that uh, is uh, expected smoke taint, um, where the smoke permeates the grapes and affects the flavor. Um, the estimated crop value of wine grapes that were not harvested in Sonoma County alone uh, was about $151 million, according to the local wine growers group. Um, so that's it's a, so it's an issue. Yeah. It's an issue we're going to be hearing about in the we're we're going to be covering the unified wine symposium, unified wine and grape symposium, uh, later in the month, which is virtual this year, and I'm and they'll be giving a, a full estimate, and people should watch for our coverage at Western Farm Press. Yeah, I think that'd be really important. Um, and also, please push it over to Western Farmers Document as well. Yes, we will. since there's a lot of grapes in that uh, in that all that geography. Um, oh yes, we're one in this. We're we're almost one in the same now. Not quite. Yeah. Print wise, well, you definitely are. But yes, the yes. site should be. But anyway, the 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 wine industry took it on the chin too because of the loss of restaurant business. Mm-hmm. Yes. Although based on all the drinking I'm seeing from people stuck at home, maybe it wasn't <laughs> as big a loss as they thought at first, but I think they still haven't recovered from that. Well, and then and you get hit in the face with this other stuff. And a lot of these a lot of these commodities are facing the same thing and they're trying to to uh, push their their products through the stores rather than the, the uh, restaurant point of sale. That takes time. You know, yeah. those markets have to be created. The capacity has to be built. Um, and it's happening, but it's going to take a while. And I think it's going to continue after the pandemic, too, because of the, you know, there there were some changes that happened in the pandemic that are not going to end when the pandemic does. I think that's something we'll want to keep watching because I'm not sure what it all means. I mean, my wife and I were talking the other day. We do a, you know, FaceTime happy hour with our daughter and son-in-law, even though they're only 10 minutes from us. But you know what? <laughs> Nine o'clock at night, if you want to share some beer and conversation, but you don't want to risk driving anywhere. Maybe that's not something that's going to go away. Exactly. You could still see each other when you need to, but for that kind of stuff. So I think that our mental state about some of this stuff's really going to change. Yeah. And it's, you know, um, people are getting used to doing things online and that'll, that'll surely continue. And there's a lot of innovation. There's actually, you know, a lot of optimism in ag, um, even with, the problems and the pessimism, growers are turning to innovation and trying to delve into unlikely crop choices, as you discussed with Todd, to create niches. So what else are you seeing? Are you seeing other niches from your standpoint? 
Well, it's I think it's I think it's early, but it's going to take farmers are going to have to find either either an entirely different crop or niches within their own crops to uh, keep up with larger, you know, if you want to, I was told by, by one um, analyst last year, if you're a small farmer and you want to survive over the next few years, you're going to have to find a niche because um, there is consolidation in ag and uh, um, there's other market forces such as the pandemic that, you know, favor larger you know larger firms larger farms can weather those storms better you know better than a a small mom and pop but if you want to be a small mom and pop and survive you can you know, you can do you do what you do in a slightly different way and appeal to a select audience yeah i think the pivot is a big deal brad brad Hare and i have discussed that brad with southeast farm press has discussed that one thing farmers do probably as well or better than anybody is pivot. They'll figure something out because they are dedicated to the land. You know, um, of course, this week, as we're talking, the Consumer Electronics Show is going on. And re- the uh, during that event, the CEO of uh, Verizon made an interesting point I hadn't thought of. For years, the technology industry has promoted and pushed the concept that we are trending toward work from home, distance learning, and telemedicine. Mm-hmm. Well, that all happened in March of last year. We went from zero to 100 miles an hour on all three areas that we knew we were trending toward. Mm -hmm. But, you know, so I think it's interesting as we think about how fast we've all had to change. That may be why we're all a little angsty, if you know what I mean, because (laughs) we we don't like change. We're humans. We don't tend to care for change. And so we've dealt with a lot. But I think it's fascinating and exciting that the farmers – are stepping up. You know, the the guy Todd and I talked about, he didn't go to coffee right away this year. He's had it for a little while, but he looked at a niche and, mm-hmm. and knew, noticed that that crop grows as well as in the same places as avocados. And it was an opportunity for him. And that's an interesting niche. You know, I don't think hemp's going to be a niche. That's a different story. But as we look, <laughs> as we look forward to into 2021, actually, go ahead. Actually, it is. I mean, Hemp is growing. Um, the other, its cousin, is growing, and 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 those are those are niches that are going to do well. I see them as their own. Um, somebody last year at the wine symposium, uh, there was a there was a presentation on wood, or or it might have been two years ago. There was a presentation on wood, uh, cannabis, and hemp, and all of those products. Uh, supplant wine in any way and I made the comment in a commentary that I th- I see those two as separate they're their own they're their own crops with their own audiences and and you you see uh, niches within you see entire industries that are a niche like those and then you see uh, businesses within more established commodities also doing niches and i think you're going to see you're going to you're going to see i think you're going to see farmers and and related businesses try to drill down to segments of the buying populace that they want to reach um as opposed to mass marketing well you know Uh, that's an interesting story because i've talked about this before um you know Mm -hmm. what do you need i don't i don't need everybody 
Right. Uh, I need 500 customers. Okay. Find them. Right. If Social media, Twitter. Yeah. Uh, you know, how can I find 500 customers and build a relationship? Obviously, to keep 500, you have to find another 100 every year because you're going to lose 20%. Right. Yes. But there, there's a that's marketing. But the other side of it is this idea that we're only marketing, like even a winery doesn't need to sell to everybody. Right. They just need right. to sell to enough people. Right. <laughs> so that's how that develops. So it looks like 2021 hopefully won't be as devastating as 2020. But uh, as you said, it looked like at the beginning of the year, hold my beer. And uh, we'll see how 2021 goes. Yes, uh, drought right now and the outlook doesn't look good. Um, and it's a Western issue, but it's crept into the Midwest in some areas. Yeah. And we're watching that very carefully. And it's something that uh, we'll be writing about as people follow us on all of our different brands. So Tim Hearden from Western Farm Press, a pleasure talking to you, sir. You have an excellent day and, of course, stay safe. You too, and thanks very much. Agriculture in the West is diverse, sometimes more than we think. But it's also challenged by increasingly extreme weather, including drought, layering a pandemic, and farmers and ranchers find they have to think in new ways. Thanks to Todd Vichette and Tim Hearden from Western Farm Press for sharing their coverage of those issues. You've been listening to Around Farm Progress, our weekly look at agriculture across the United States with editors from the Farm Progress team and experts in our industry. Farm Progress is the nation's leading agriculture information source with 17 state and regional brands as well as farm futures, beef, national hog farmer and feedstuffs, and the new Farm Progress virtual experience. If you didn't tune in for the premiere of the Farm Progress Virtual Experience, no problem. You can still visit the site to see everything. Just visit farmprogressshow.com for a direct connection to the virtual event. It's worth a look. Join us next week as we continue our agriculture journey around the country. I'm Willie Vogt, Editorial Director at Farm Progress. Thanks for listening.